1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
2: This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now.
0: Welcome into ATL Day 1's, I am Jarvis Davis, I got my co-host with me, Tanitra Batiste, and we are coming to you on a good old Tuesday, it's a Tuesday y'all, we appreciate you for rocking with Locked On Sports Atlanta, and always want to thank you for making ATL Day 1's your first listen of the day, and remember, we are free and available wherever you download (laughs) your podcast. Sure and you know, I'm. I do this and I will continue to do it every day because I don't mind asking questions. All right, here's what you need to do. Well, I said I was going to ask questions. So here's what you need to do. All right, um, <laughs> go ahead when you download our podcast, wherever you listen, like it's, it's available everywhere. Just like I said, leave <laughs> us a five-star review. Go yeah. ahead and leave us a five-star review so everybody else can find out about how great we are. And if you don't <laughs> leave us a five-star review, I might just hit you upside the head with a helmet. Yeah, when I see you in these streets. All right, so <laughs> T, we got a lot of good stuff on board for today. Obviously, yeah. I'm off to a good one, a good start talking all type of trash today. But um, will the Falcons be one of the first, one of the worst teams in the NFL? Um, did Josh Donaldson get off easy? And in for the culture, the most overused term in sports vernacular history. We'll talk about all of that. But first, the Atlanta Falcons. And Peter King did, um, does his uh, weekly uh, kind of newsletter type situation mm-hmm. um, called Football Morning in America. And he ranked the teams, which I think is a little early. But, hey, we'll roll with it. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, and he had the Falcons ranked 30th. Right. In the NFL, right above the Texans and the Panthers mm-hmm. to Nietzsche Batiste. Yes. What were your first thoughts when you saw that ranking?
2: You know, to see it initially, I was just like, wow, 30th? Like Falcons are 30th. But then when you dig a little deeper, right, and you mm-hmm. go and you just Google it and you see ESPN's post-draft positioning as far as power rankings go, they're one. And if mm-hmm. you see CBS Sports, Pete Prisco's ranking, the Falcons are 32. And then you see an over under from like a bet QL win, basically saying they expect they have them listed at four and a half mm-hmm. tied with who else? The Texans. So really, everyone almost has this team kind of ranked at the very bottom. And it really made me think, well, what is it that? They're seeing that maybe we're not, because most people I've I've spoken with in the industry who cover the team on a consistent basis, like you, have followed their moves in the offseason, have followed their moves during the draft, have watched to see what the progression is of their draft picks from the past couple of years, have given them somewhere in the range of like five, six, maybe being liberal from, you know, giving them seven wins, thinking about last year. But what I said was this, I wonder if this has anything also to do with strength of schedule. Because you Mm. look at this year's strength of schedule, and it is the 10th hardest schedule in the league. So that could definitely have some weight to it. At the end of the day, you look at the third easiest schedule in 2021 that may have on some level gotten them to do what we say, quote-unquote, was overachieved with those wins last year. So, yeah, while it's a harsh thing to see your name Falcons in dim lights with the Texans, and with the Panthers, if we really think about it, I now I, I've said six Jarvis. That's where I've kind of said it's Yeah, a, yeah, six okay. Season for me, um, I don't know that they'll quite get to seven because agreed. I was looking at the strength of schedule, but when I think about okay, does seven wins equate to being third worst, second worst, or worst in the NFL? I, I can't. I can't marry those two. That math ain't mathing for me.
0: Yeah, I understand. And I get it. Like you said, like from a, a 30,000 foot view, so to speak, mm-hmm. you, you can look at this situation and say, OK, yeah, they maybe overachieved last year. You know, they got a lot of issues on, on both sides of the uh, on, uh, um lines or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. So. I, and and there's, and but, you know, just looking from the inside, yeah, you know, yeah. we are seeing some of the improvements. They've addressed some of those issues, you know, not yeah. necessarily offensive line like you would have liked, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, the offseason is not over. We talked about right. on yesterday's show how, you know, there are still one move, one or two moves to be made on, yes. on those, um, on yeah. offensive and defensive line. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, I can kind of understand it, but I, I think I'm going to take it a little step further on how mm-hmm. much more I understand it, right? Mm-hmm. They lost Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are banking on Matt, the loss of Matt Ryan being a huge, huge hit for the Atlanta Falcons because I think that, you know, a lot of people talk about how Arthur Smith, mm-hmm. you know, made, you know, <clears throat> um, um, boo-boo out of lemonade. He made lemonade out of boo-boo. But you know he had to have the quarterback to be able to execute whatever that was able to be done on the field. Right. So uh, I think the loss of Matt Ryan, I can kind of understand them, the rankings, but I believe that I think Arthur Smith has a is is gonna is bringing a lot of his guys in, and I think that he's at least at least good between for um the over so to speak yeah. if i'm you gambling yeah. turn so uh, five or six games maybe mm-hmm. even seven mm-hmm. it, it just all depends on what happens with the quarterback situation with marcus mariota yeah. and Der- um, desmond Ritter.
2: Yeah. yeah and and i can definitely see your point about the departure of matt ryan probably making people uh, pundits national pundits think about wow that's going to be a tanking situation but i guess i'm looking at it from the perspective of some sizable improvements. Listen, they're looking at the same paper we're looking at right now, okay? Nobody has hit the field. So if I'm looking at the same paper they're looking at, I'm looking at some of those additions to the defense. I'm looking at the Falcons retaining Grady Jarrett, right? I'm looking at the Falcons possibly getting a, a fully healed, fully recovered Isaiah Oliver back. And right. to me, those things are encouraging enough to say, hmm. And then you and I are like chomping at the bit, like most people maybe salivating do, on what the possibilities will be with, uh, you know, getting more help for for the the pass defense, if you will, uh, like when you get someone like um, a Troy Anderson or, or an Arnold Ebiketie. So I guess being as close as we are to the team, we're seeing this a little bit differently. And then finally, looking at what. Arthur Smith was able to do, I'll call it making lemons out of lemonade. Right, I'm, I'm right. Lemons, but, um, <laughs> yes, he a little able, bit less graphic than I am. Yes, <laughs> uh, what he was able to do with Ryan Tannehill. And if he's able to even get something similar out of Marcus Mariota. Right. If he can even be just a, a little bit of a better game manager here than he was there. Or or if, De- if Desmond Ritter and his learning curve is that much faster and quicker. And Drake London and everybody that was added on that offensive line. And Damian Williams, he's still kind of an unknown factor. We don't talk much about that running back room, but they've been adding. They've been adding pieces. So I don't know. I feel like that thirty, number 32, number 31, number 30, 30 ranking, and even though, Jarvis, I'll be honest, I've been scrolling back and forth, up and down, saying, okay, well, then who would you put behind them, right? Mm-hmm. I just put the Jets behind them as an example.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> Like, come yeah. on now. Huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> there, there, you <laughs> like, the there you go. So when I
2: look at the rest of the teams that you could have put behind them, I still find 31, 32, 30, to to me that, that seems to be a stretch.
0: Indeed. I, I, I agree. Like I said, you know, I like I understand it. Uh, yeah. you know, just from uh what what has you know happened over the this offseason and in the draft and everything like that, I get it. But I think I think it just all ended up being that they liked a lot of other teams' draft more than they liked the yeah. Falcons' draft, probably, yeah. and that's why they ended up being in front of the Falcons. All right, there's another, another little, um, little little news going on in Atlanta. Like, you know, we are the uh, centerpiece of the world in all aspects, yes. you know. Or, well, at least I like to think anyway. <laughs> um, there are some meetings going on down here, T. And yeah. uh, teams have sent representatives uh, from, you know, their teams, and, and mm-hmm. they are looking at – Is what the NFL has deemed a front office acceleration program. Yes. There's a spring league meeting. It's being held right here in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. in the suburb of Atlanta, Buckhead. Um, And um, Falcons, I mean, owner Arthur Blank opened the meeting and, Mm -hmm. you know, Terry Fondo was there and he addressed a group of like 60 senior executives, men and women, Mm -hmm. from all 32 teams. Yes. Now, this is something that's been put in place to kind of get, you know, these people, you know, of minorities, you know, in, in the same room with, with um, owners. And they're going to have yeah. opportunity just to sit down with them one-on-one mm-hmm. and kind of just, you know, get to know them because yes, the, yes. the, the, the problem or the issue has been is that mm-hmm. they have always leaned on the people that they know or leaned it on the is. people that look like them, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> because they have certain relationships or they know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. We all know how this hiring piece work, right? Yeah. So, but I think this is all well and good T. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm about to ask, like, yeah. is this really going to help? Because we have the same conversation every mm-hmm. – all season when, mm-hmm. when we see who gets hired with these um these head coaching positions come open because mm-hmm. there's some that come open every year. Yeah. And it just seems like the NFL keeps c- continuing to drop the ball. So – but I think that is this something that can finally say, mm-hmm. okay, here's something that they put together and tried to do. And it actually worked. Yeah.
2: And my answer to that is show and prove because Mm -hmm. the question that I had is this summit is hosting GM and coaching candidates, but will it lead to any of them becoming GM and head coach hires? If the answer is no, if we have any of these individuals who were invited to this, symposium, this summit, this seminar, and those individuals, not a one, not a two, and I'm not talking about onesies, twosies, as in check the box situation, right? I'm talking about legitimate opportunities. If we have the same people trotting back to the summit or the seminar or the symposium next year, and they've not made headway to be in a head coaching position or to get a, a stake in ownership, a stake in a team, even... Or a seat at the head of the table at the front office. Then to me, this is a moot point. To me, it, this is it's useless.
0: Yeah, and, and and to be honest, and you know me, I'm kind of a little on a little bit of the pessimistic side of, the, of this thing because I, like I said, people hire who they're comfortable with. Like I don't even know if there's a system that the NFL can put in place for this to work, for this to be better, for this kind of. Get to a place where we're not talking about this anymore, and also, mm-hmm. um, my my whole thing is There was a, a quote, right? That was in mm-hmm. in the article that by Arthur Blank, and mm-hmm. and he was like, he like this quote. These is the, these are exact words. Mm-hmm. This is some of the most important work the NFL will do. We must get better. We must be more inf- intentional to be better. We have heard Blank said. We are listening. We are listening hard. Are you? Right. Are you? Yeah. You just hired your first black um, general manager, and you've never had a, a, a minority head coach, a full-time minority head coach. They've had interim black head coaches before, but they've, they've never had a black head coach. So my whole thing is, like, if I'm a 70-year-old, 80-year-old white man they got a poop ton of money, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting up in this meeting or I'm going to this summit to meet all these people, and the person who is heading it, who's starting it off and leading it off, if he hadn't hired one, so why the hell would I hire one?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> That's all I got to say. Probably, like,
0: right. like, show, improve. Like, if, if this is what we're doing, if if you are listening, if you are, you know, uh, you know, trying to do something, or you want the NFL to do something as well, mm-hmm. you do it. You do yeah. it first, and then most times the other
2: guys will follow. They will follow, especially, and it depends on who you speak to. Some will say that. Arthur Blank is an influencer within the group of owners. Yeah, others will yeah. say yeah. Jerry Jones. Yeah, look, Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Others will say Robert Kraft. And not to say that they are in the same influencer group, by the way, but some right. influencer, some heavy hitter who can really, really move the needle has to speak up. So, which if if it's Mr. Blank, then let it be Mr. Blank. But one of them who has a seat at the table has to be an advocate, like Mr. Rooney was who said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not just advocating. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to get myself an African-American head coach and then I'm going to get some pieces on his staff. And young one, pieces too. In the front office. Exactly. And then I'm going to stick with him through some dark... We we had a, a season or two that were unstealer like and mm-hmm. we're going to stick with him until we get out of that space, right? And we're right. going to also have him come and, and and be the head coach of a, a franchise that is successful, no offense, but that's like when Hugh Jackson took the Browns job. That was That's, that's a setup for failure. So, ding, so no. Ding, but, doomed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did from the beginning. So that's the other piece. Just as the owners are coming together, potentially, to oust Dan Snyder from his perch as owner of the commanders, this is what will have to be done. All that energy, that same energy that you guys are putting together, whoever that influencing group is, shift gears and put some influence and some weight and some energy behind this because that is the only way we'll see change is if someone with a definitive voice says I'm not just speaking on it we're about to be about this
0: thing no doubt about it and we'll we'll end it right there we want to shift some things to uh, Mr. Josh Donaldson you know he used to play for the Braves right yeah we got issues we'll talk about that next on ATL Day One's part of Locked On Sports Atlanta
2: What's good, everybody? Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra, that is Jarvis, and we appreciate you guys for joining us each and every day to talk Atlanta sports and also joining the lot On Sports Network. So listen, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you download this podcast and leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you for it and continue to check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel and make sure you give us a follow and like us as well because, hey, we give you the good stuff, so you should give us a like. Now, we got some good stuff, but mostly not good stuff from the Braves. They opened a seven-game homestand last night, four-game set, of course, against the Phillies. And Tucker Davidson was on the mound for the Braves, and it went downhill as quickly as he got on the hill. So, <laughs> like, literally, just, yeah, was was just not his night and uh, really not the Braves' night because you're talking 11 hits on the night and three singles that lead to your three runs. But other than those moments in time, really not a lot in the way of offense. And it just keeps making me think to myself as we approach that milestone of Memorial Day, you ain't that team right now. I mean, you just really are not that team, that team from last year that went on the world champion run, that team that reloaded, so it appeared, at the beginning of this season. Listen, Brian Snicker tried a few things, He tweaked the lineup, put Matt Olson in at the fifth hole and moved um, Austin Riley to the seventh hole.
0: Yep. Gave Mm -hmm. Travis
2: DeMeritt the day off, brought William Contreras in at left field. Yeah, what we're calling it. Junior was that right (laughs) thing. I mean, moves were made. (laughs) Moves were made to try to do something to Mm -hmm. jumpstart that offense, if you will. But even on the defense, you know, you had some head scratchers in terms of, um, you know, just, I don't know, it was just it was just like a, a puzzling. Like every time I kind of checked in, I was just scratching my head. Every time. Now, there yeah. were a few things that I liked that we saw. You talked about it yesterday in terms of what you wanted to see from William Contreras and oh. gave you something solid in the outfield but also gave you two or four in his at-bat, so that was good. And a run scored. Good deal there. Dylan Lee gave you what you needed being called up uh, from Gwinnett. Solid. And he was able to give you two and two-thirds innings, Got a couple strikeouts, only one walk, but more importantly, helped to stretch it so that the night shift didn't get tasked or taxed too much last night, and then you can get reset for it tonight. But man, Jarvis, I don't know about what we're seeing over there at Trues Park.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it though, like like you start, let's start with Tucker Davidson, right? There's a a sore uh a, a cipher sore eyes right in that fifth yeah. spot in the rotation right you know no something sure. the, the braids have to figure that thing out because yeah. like we as much as we talked about how much the first the front end of that rotation is starting to really lock in and we're gonna yeah. know who's yeah. gonna be one two three mm-hmm. you know and four you know on a, on a night in a night about now night out basis excuse me mm-hmm. um but that fifth starter like something has to be done like we yeah. have to figure that thing out now granted you know, it's I guess is you know if we're complaining about the fifth starter in the rotation, I guess you're not. It's not too much of an issue. You know, you can kind of mm-hmm. figure that thing out. But I think the the thing that I that I found consistent, you know, after watching mm-hmm. games and stuff like that, looking at some of the numbers and stuff like that. You know, yeah. base, everybody big on numbers when it comes to mm-hmm. baseball, right? The one thing that's been really consistent night in night out is the Braves are probably going to strike out double digits at least Easily. every night and I'm yeah. just like man there's and like I don't care what the situation is I don't even have to know what the situation is mm-hmm. if you're striking out that much yeah like that's more than likely you missing out on a lot of opportunity to score runs and that yeah. has been the case that has definitely yeah. been the case and and I don't even some guys that you're counting on that that are struggling and it just seems like it's not going to work like I don't even know what snick can possibly do in those particular situations like because they need a shock. They need somebody to mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. Maybe it is William Contreras playing in the outfield. Maybe that right. could be something that can kind of get this team going. And, and then mm-hmm. once um, Ronald Acuna is able to play every day, yeah. which seems like it can't get here no faster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I just think those those two things right mm-hmm. there just really stood stand out to me. It's like yeah. okay, you have struggle you're struggling with that that fifth pitch fifth Fifth rotation spot, and then mm-hmm. guys are just leaving the plate. They're not even being productive. Like when yeah. you strike out, that means so many things. That yeah. that means you're not being productive with somebody mm-hmm. on the base. Like you even right. just put the bat on the ball like yeah. that. At the end of the day, like go back to little league because mm-hmm. that's when I stopped playing. You know, my illustrious uh, baseball career mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ended in little league. Like yeah. put the bat on the ball, man. <laughs> I just strike out a lot. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, until I figured it out, but. You know, it's a mental thing seemingly because everybody is struggling in the same area. So, like you said, this isn't that team right now i and you know i've come to the conclusion that you know it's before memorial day but i've come to the conclusion that this isn't the team from last year yes, because you had so many guys that were just tearing it up like, yeah. and some of those guys aren't here anymore yeah. so that's kind of what we're looking at right now this isn't the mm-hmm. team and they're gonna have to figure out an identity at some point
2: yeah and figure out how to string it together in all phases of the game Or at least if you have a bad defensive night, Adam Duvall, like literally call for the ball, you can't go to the plate and then be 0 for 4. Like those two things can't happen in the same game. And to your point, too often with the Braves, we're seeing them, the same player who's struggling at the plate, then he goes into the field, whether that's infield, outfield, the pitcher's mound, and it just... I mean, he, he's doing damage there as well. So, yeah, they've got to figure something out. And I know that fifth rotation spot may not be as important as a first, second, or third, but where it, it does pose some challenges and some questions because you do start to look to say, okay, well, if, I have, if I'm getting the goods from Spencer Strider, who's getting me to where I need to be in terms of the bullpen and setting Kenley Jansen up to close, then he's good. But do I want to pull him out of that rotation? to pull him into that fit spot and then kind of cause too much of a challenge and a shift and and too much of a a burden and tasking on the bullpen. So interesting to see what happens. But then again, Jarvis, we could be having a much different conversation tomorrow because Max Reed is on the mound tonight. So we shall see how it goes. But a conversation that won't change unless, you know, I always say unless hearts change because that's the only way minds and conversations change is if, The heart changes. And sometimes when you are in crunch situations or you're comfortable, you tend to say whatever it is that you really wanted to say, right? Mm Because that's what you really meant. And that's kind of sort of what has happened with Josh Donaldson. So, of course, we all kind of know the high-level story of what happened with him in terms of the comment that he made to Tim Anderson Saturday in the Yankees-White Sox game. Anderson took exception to it. And uh, Donaldson, of course, gets uh, a fine meted out to him. So on Monday, after an investigation from Major League Baseball, it was determined that he'll be suspended for one game that he would potentially serve after he comes off the COVID list. He just went on to the COVID list. And he also Stop. I know right, suspicious timing, but also <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's,
0: he's got to pay fine. that mortgage, yeah. the mortgage right. payment coming up,
2: <laughs> you know, so he's been fined as well. And um, he, of course, is battling that fine because he felt like making the comment of calling Tim Anderson Jackie was just something that he was doing based on some comments that Anderson made in a, an interview for a magazine a couple of years ago. Now, a couple things there that caught my eye. So I'll, I'll make these statements or I'll share these statements with you and then I'll get your feedback and then I'll come back with my thoughts because I have thoughts, mm-hmm. but The pitching coach, the White Sox pitching coach, Ethan Katz, said, quote, he didn't think the penalty was enough. Just one game. We all saw his malice, keyword, malice at third a week ago. Then this comment with the ridiculous excuse that followed. What's the point of, or message, message behind a one game suspension. This is incredibly disappointing and plain frustrating, whereas the Yankees, Mm -hmm. Um, manager, if you will, Aaron Boone said he disagreed with MLB's decision. Quote, I think they were thoughtful and did their due diligence, but I don't agree with it. I don't think it warranted a suspension. So that being said, Jarvis, a couple things that stood out for me was exactly what Kat said, which was the messaging, the malice and the intent. I got yeah. a
0: problem with this. Yeah. I, and I, and you know, I have a problem with it, right? Yeah. So. Kind of like I want to kind of hit on Josh Donaldson, then I kind of respond to yes. them on the back end. So, yes, let's hit on Josh, the person, yeah. yeah. Like Josh Donaldson is a person that, when you look at the landscape and, and kind of what's wrong with the majority of the people of these people in this country, right? I'm not saying all white people, but some white people feel like they can speak on. have an opinion on or joke about Mm -hmm. any and everything no matter who they're talking to or no matter who they're um, the person they are speaking with and what type of relationship they have with them notice I said the type of relationship I have with them because Josh Donaldson if you feel like you can say or call this man Jackie Robinson just because he referred to himself as Jackie Robinson you know how the type of relationship that he has with himself like he knows himself, right? He knows mm-hmm. any, every little intricacy, fine intricacy about who he is as a person, what he's gone through, who he is as yes. a man, and you know, and his family and everything. Like, you got so many things. But if you feel like you can do that, I got one question for you, Josh. Mm-hmm. What does Tim Anderson drink? What is his what is this alcohol of choice? Mm-hmm. Because guess what? I know pretty much all of mine, all of my guys that I call, all of my partners that I call that I'm real close with. All mm-hmm. the people that I kick it with and hang with and know who I am and know how I get down, they know what I get down with and they, and I know what they get down with. Yeah. And, and and if you can't answer that question, you don't need to be referring to him as that in a joking manner. Because mm-hmm. that's the problem. You feel like you can say and do anything without any consequence. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And it is not part of the cancel culture and all that crap. Mm-hmm. It's about... A personal understanding and respect factor. That's what mm-hmm. it's all about. And if and he knows what you meant when you said that crap. He knows yeah. that you weren't doggone giving him kudos. Right. Or he was saying like, Oh man, yo, you, you play like Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie. You know what I mean? Like that's how he took it, and that's how he should have yeah. taken it. Yeah. So yeah, the, and the fact that it only is one game, T. Like yeah. that's that's how you know it's a yes. it's a organizational, it's a structural, it's a mm-hmm. big overall big picture mm-hmm. type issue because yeah. they looking at it like you yeah, know it wasn't that bigger deal. We'll give them one game, and so they can go away and start talking about. It. Yeah. Nah, nah. It it that doesn't sit well with me, and T. And 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 it doesn't surprise me because we're talking about baseball. like this is this is the issue it's been an issue for quite some time and especially when we see two african-american managers in the mm -hmm. entire league since jackie Mm -hmm. robinson spoke on it some of y'all years ago yeah that's where we are that's where we are and it's not going to get better because the people in power don't give a damn
2: right and you major league baseball are the league that trots out Jackie Robinson this and Jackie yeah, Robinson next, every Jackie year. Robinson this yeah, look at us every yet, number,
0: man. Get out years, of here with it. And uh, yet surface you crap. don't
2: see is it and again, that goes back to having someone at the table. Do you mm-hmm. have someone in say a diversity, equity and inclusion space that can help you to understand why you didn't get in it? Why Tim Anderson did not give Josh Donaldson an invitation to say that? Now, I'm going to give you two examples. They're going to be strong, so clutch your pearls and get ready. But here's the example that I thought about as a female. Number one, you don't get to call me sweetie, babe, love, or any of that unless I give you an invitation to do it because I don't know you like that. But for those who know me like that and I know them like that and we have that relationship and that comfort zone, yeah, you can call me that or we can joke around or you all know Only certain people can call me by my nickname. The rest of you people can refer to me as Tanitra. We can all keep moving. So that's that invitational space, that space like you said that you are in when you know someone or you at least know them enough to be able to speak in that way. The other piece is this. See, when a Black person, and everybody doesn't have to agree, I'm not saying I agree or disagree, I'm just giving you a a line of demarcation so you can understand. Black people use the N-word in communication with each other. And it will have a decidedly different meaning when there's an ER on it and an A on Mm -hmm. it. And that's one example. While a stronger example, it just speaks to the fact that there, there are spaces and places that you have to be careful to understand where it is that you're going. And at the end of the day, when you ask yourself what your real intent was, Josh Donaldson, really and truly, it sounds to me like you threw that out there and then you came back with the explanation that you may have found for why you said what you said.
0: Exactly. But
2: 10 seconds before you said it, did you even know that article existed? Did you even know Tim Anderson <laughs> actually said such a thing? Come on. I doubt it seriously. Mm-hmm. If I'm yeah. wrong, I'm wrong and I'll take these words back, but I doubt it seriously. those That's a word that when used in the wrong context, we know what we know. We see what we see, we hear what we hear, just like there's another word that people keep using coming out of the side of their necks and using out of context that Jarvis and I have a problem with. You want to know what that word is? While it's not as intense and serious as this conversation, it does get us a little riled up. You'll hear about it on the other side in for the culture.
0: Final segment of ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to thank you for, you know, rocking with us throughout the entire show. Uh, We want to thank you for making our first listen of the ATL Day 1s the first listen of the day because we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And make sure you give us a five-star review while you're at it. We really, really appreciate that. I'm not going to get hostile like I was in the beginning of the show, but, you know, I'm just going to give you a quick reminder. Appreciate you for that. All right, now, T, this is the father of Culture. You know, for those of you who don't know, that is an intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And whatever the hell we want to talk about some days. Now, we, we know that Michael Jordan, LeBron James have always been at each other, right? Not themselves personally, right. <laughs> but in your local barbershops, mm-hmm. on the streets. Like, everywhere. Like, okay, who's, to go? Cool who's to go? Who's to go? Yeah, the ESPN, first take. Skip Bayless has made a lot of money trashing uh, LeBron James as if he's a bum and comparing him to Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I think – but the thing that, you know, we've always talked about as far as just being getting tired of hearing, like, I don't mind the comparisons, right? I don't sure. get it. We do it all the time. That's part of sports talk engagement everything right but the the term goat yeah like when are we going to learn that that can only be one person like like we can't have the goat of three-pointers the goat of of a big man the goat of scores the goat of defenders like we can't have all of these goats like it's no room for them it's one person and one person only mm-hmm. like w- I just don't get it. to like, you know, Charles Barkley did a special on it, you know, yes. talking about, you know, guys, you know, different players from different eras and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Charles is is a pretty good person to kind of, you know, listen to when it comes to the type of stuff because he played against mm-hmm. most of these guys, you know, especially the one that who's considered the GOAT by most in right. Michael Jordan. So mm-hmm. um, I, th- I thought that was interesting, but I just kind of gathering some stuff, you know, in my head, I'm just like, But when are people going to understand that Mm -hmm. that is not a term to to be used on a consistent basis?
2: No, use it above, a level above legend, right? So when you talk about someone being the legendary or the late great or the great, okay, great test. That's the key piece, great test of all Mm. time. So it can be a debate. There can be a debate about the GOAT. But like you said, we don't need to give a GOAT title on everything. I think I saw a tweet that even... Gave the goat title and and love our kicker to death, but uh, for oh, he's, he's a sharp cookie. But Young Way Koo, in this stage of his career, even with all of his amazing efficiency last season and getting votes for the Pro Bowl and that sort of thing, at the end of the day, if you are not Morton Anderson, I'm just throwing that out there as an example.
0: Just saying.
2: We should not or or, or um Kevin Butler. Uh, who could be yeah. in the conversation. Those types of guys, let's not have this conversation. Let, let's, we shouldn't be having a conversation about a goat who hasn't retired. We shouldn't be having right. a conversation yes. about a goat who doesn't have championships or, or multiple Pro Bowls or all-pro teams in any sport. But I mean – Lucas stands. Yeah. It just, yeah, that tag, it just utilized way too much. And when I saw that episode uh, or about the documentary that Charles Barkley was doing, it really, I was excited because I said at least they're having some debate and some conversation about it across generations. I'm okay with that. That's a good debate because Michael Jordan may be, you know, debatable for the current generation because they grew up on LeBron or the generation course They grew up on Kobe. But we're not sitting here saying... Okay, but, you know, okay, what's a great example? Oh, like, we love Trey Young to death here in in Atlanta. Okay, Steph Curry is gold material. We're we're running up on a fourth championship, potentially, and multiple MVPs, both of the league and within the NBA finals. We can put Trey in that conversation when he begins to approach there. Yeah. But even then you've got to be careful because like you said, we start breaking it down into, okay, greatest goat, like goat point. Goat. There's
0: no goat okay. categories. Goat. It's goat. goat. That's, goat. It. goat. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Ben There's right. no goat categories. <laughs> that,
2: that's, that's the goat. He's not yeah. the goat receiver. No, no, no. That's just goat, period. Goat. And one yeah. more before we wrap up because when, when Jarvis brought this to me, I was like, we got to <laughs> mention it. Because now this whole goat syndrome has like, I don't know. It's festering in other industries now. So now we're talking goats of trap music? What?
0: Yeah. When I came across the tweet, it was like, you know, they're talking about the goat of trap music, right? And I looked at it in the Mount, you know, Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore or, you know, yeah, however yeah, you want to say it, you know. Yep, and, you know, they had Travis Scott, 21 Savage, Young Thug, and Future. I'm just like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Hold on. Mm-hmm. like how does the dude that started trap music not <laughs> on there in <NTI, laughs> like or how about the guy who continued it you know right. in jeezy you know and took it to another level like what are we talking about here I'm like how old are you 18 like you know what i'm saying <laughs> well, so yeah you have to be 12 because
2: if you were 18 you'd know about the originators
0: yes exactly originators. goodness yeah. gracious you man. all are gonna
2: stop with that foolishness because stop that is, it yeah because that's the cray-cray that just drives us batty on this show. So, listen, just stop it. You know what else will drive us batty? If you guys don't check out for your second podcast after this year. First, A to Z with Mark Zeno. Make sure you check that out. Make Jarvis and I happy. We appreciate you, of course, for stopping by all of the podcasts on the Locked On Sports Network. And we'll appreciate you for coming back to check us out tomorrow. See ya.
0: Y'all come back now, you hear?